baptism this morning we have uh, two people that have found something the world can't give the world can't take it away um, you guys have something too this morning I mean don't you know the world's falling apart what are you acting like you're acting like you have joy and peace and righteousness and there's a hope that we have an answer the world's looking for so uh, it's pretty encouraging going to get better. Church is going to get better and better and better. I'm telling you, it's going to be, it's, it's going to get better. We're going to get so filled with great hope and expectation and um, pretty neat. It's more than neat. It's what life's all about, but uh, come on in. First, we got, we're going to baptize two, but this is, we baptized others before, but this is just the beginning see we got they're going to be many and if you're here this morning you don't know Jesus you don't have to wait to the end you can just say Jesus come into my heart I'm a sinner I'm dying without you I need you you died for me so you trade places there the just for the unjust and um, those the Bible says if we believe in our heart that God raised his son from the dead if we confess him with our mouth we will be saved now Liara Monar got saved on August 25th while watching a movie we believe right do you believe Hollywood thank you Jesus watching a movie and um, so you know Jesus is he your Lord and Savior he is. you're gonna live for him the rest of your life I will okay now he's serious about it and uh, and she explained how what happened to her that day and she wanted to be baptized she contacted us actually last week she wrote on the uh, card 
I want to be baptized. And uh, so there's nothing to hinder that. And baptism is that outward sign. It's a testimony before these people and the world that you were dead in your sin. But now you're alive in Christ. And uh, old things are passed away. All things become brand new. So you join me. We're going to pray for this. For Liara Monar. So Lord, we bring Liara to you. We thank you for her faith. Lord, her testimony saved while watching a movie. Lord, we thank you. On, we believe. Do you believe? And so, Lord, she believes. She believes Jesus is the son of the living God, that he died and rose from the dead. And, Lord, you said whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so we just agree with Liara that she's born again. The blood of Jesus covers her. Old things are passed away. All things become new. And so we happily baptize her. And we just say you were dead in sin, but you're alive now in Christ Jesus. And so you were. We put you under the water bring you up to newness in life. We baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. One more prayer. You know, the, the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus at his baptism. Lord, we ask you now, Holy Spirit, come upon Liara. Lord, let her hear the voice of her father saying, this is my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. And we thank you for her, Lord. Just empower her, anoint her for service. Lord, let her be one of those radical saints on the earth that does unbelievable great exploits, the righteous acts of the saints, Lord. We mark her for you. Thank you. She's covered. And um, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We release that now in Jesus' name. Amen. everyone knows if you're part of this church family, Rachel Hauser, and um, what a blessing this young lady is to our church, her family, but, but uh, let me ask you, Rachel, do you know Jesus? He died for you, rose from the dead. Are you going to live for him the rest of your life? Yes. And she's serious. You can see it in her eyes, but it's in her heart. And uh, so we're going to baptize you as a public testimony of your faith. You live for him, and there's nothing like it. There's nothing, and it lasts for eternity, doesn't it? So we just thank you. I'm going to baptize her, then Tyler is going to pray over her, okay? So, Lord, we just, uh, Rachel Hauser, we thank you for her faith, her confession of her faith in Jesus. And we thank you that old things are passed away and all things are become brand new. And so now, Lord, we thank you for this new disciple. We set her apart for your kingdom. She's known you a while, but today's her public testimony. And so we seal her and we thank you. We baptize her in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this commitment here that we've seen today, Lord. I thank you so much for the seriousness and the holiness that you've brought into this place, Lord. God, I ask right now for the Holy Spirit, Lord. I know I see it inside of her, Lord. I ask you to grow 
Holy Spirit, grow and empower this girl to do your will on this earth, Father. Impart the Holy Spirit into her now, Father, to hear your voice, to follow the Lamb wherever he goes, Lord. It is not by might nor power, but by your Spirit, Father. And that is exactly what we ask for, Lord. I bless her in the name of Jesus Christ, and I seal her, Lord. Oh, it's in your name. Rachel, I have a word for you from the Lord. Bless your heart, honey. When you were knit in your mother's womb, before you were born, the Lord called you and set you aside. Do not despise your youth. Do not despise your youth. The Lord has a call for you to go to the nations. He will give you the nations as your inheritance. So be blessed today because the Lord had called you before you were born, when you were before you were in your mother's womb. He knit you together and made you for this calling. Amen. All right. God bless you. I think, uh, hey, can we do that chorus of that song, Spirit of the Living God, Fall Fresh on Me? That, was, that had some really unction on it. Can we do that? And then Crystal uh, make some announcements on it.
there's a lot been going on today. I want to share some things. Um, actually, part two of a message that I began last week on overcoming in the last days. How many of you believe we could possibly be living in the last days? My own opinion is these are the last of the last days. The last days began about 2,000 years ago. And, uh, but uh, they're progressing like a steamroller. I mean, things are happening at breakneck speed. Hey, I want you to look with me in Matthew chapter 13. I'm going to begin with verse 47. And I'm going to look at some things last week to just go over, review a few things, and then end up over in Revelation chapter 1. But um, every time we come together, it's very critical. I agree with what was said earlier. We don't want to waste a moment. We don't want to waste any moments because uh, these are the days that we've been made for and uh, we've been called to. Anyway, Matthew chapter 13, beginning with verse 37, says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind, which when it was full they drew to shore, and they sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but they threw the bad away. I've done that. How many of you have done that, literally? I've done that in South Louisiana. We would cast the net, and then we would gather the good and throw the bad away. And so it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come forth, separate the wicked from among the just, and cast them into the furnace of fire, and there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. So, Lord, we thank you for um, your presence this morning. God, thank you for the anointing in worship, Lord, uh, Lord, we thank you for your mercies that are new every morning. And Lord, I pray right now, Lord, that you would touch every individual. Lord, that they would have a en divine encounter. Lord, draw a circle around them and let them block out everything else and just hear you and, and uh, deal with you, Lord. And we thank you that you're with us. Thank you for these incredible days. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible has a lot more to say about the last days, did you know that, and the end times and the second coming of Jesus than it has about the first coming. How many of you knew that? I've been accused of being an end time preacher. Guess what? God is raising up end time preachers on the earth to prepare a people to live in the end times. It is a dominant theme in the Bible, a dominant theme in the New Testament. The Lord wants people living victoriously on the earth at that season of time called the, the last days. Now, we're not just talking about one single event, the coming of the Lord. I believe in that, obviously. I mean, that is the ultimate. But the last days is a season of time, and uh, it's, we want to be ready for it. It's, it. In the Greek, it's parousia. It's coming. His advent. And... Um, we want to begin to build. While the world systems are falling apart, the church is called to build. How many of you know that? The kingdom of God is not falling apart. Say, my kingdom's not falling apart. If you're built and you're part of the kingdom of God. Remember Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11. We remind one another of these verses from time to time. I know the plans I have for you. Remember that. Our thoughts. Plans are thoughts of good and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. But we've gone over many times the context of that scripture. Remember the context. How many of you remember? Be honest. All right, some of you do. Where were they going? Into captivity. Life was about to become very difficult. They were going to face challenges. 
Many had already died, and, uh, but there was a remnant that was going into captivity. And, uh, but the Lord wanted to remind them, Jeremiah, the prophet, that, hey, God's got a plan for you. He's got a future. And also, in this captivity in which you're going into, you plan on building. You plant. While others are diminishing, you increase. Now, remember that. That was the, that was the context of that. I heard somebody say this week, we were at a conference over in um, Silva, North Carolina. And uh, that's what he said. He said, God's raising up preachers who are going to prepare the church to live during these days and overcome. And that encouraged me because I often find myself going back to this theme of the times in which we're living. But it's, there's another reason for it. I got to tell you this. Some of you have heard this story, but we had a, or I had a little short time. I lived in Waco, Texas. And uh, it was before I met Shirley. I was a single guy. And I th- I've told you the stories. I, I thought I would meet a girl. And Baylor University is there. And the Lord said, don't date the women. Remember, you, remember that story? Anyway, to make a long story short, I found that God was serious. I'd, it was disaster every time I tried to date anybody in Waco. And so I just surrendered to that. JT's talking about surrender. And so I just would go on dates with the Lord. I know that sounds a little funny. But I would just spend time with God. I'd just go out in the wilderness, hang out with the Lord, read the Scripture, fast and pray. And it was just that season of time. Well, there was one day I was off praying in this these wooded area, and it was foggy. And I was praying for what I often prayed for in those days, too. I was praying for a wife because I was tired of being single. And I was crying out to God, God, when are you going to bring my wife? When is she coming? Lord, you promised those who put their trust in you will lack no good thing. He that finds a wife has found a good thing. Do you not remember that you said that? And I would, you know, you know what I'm talking about it. And he stopped me in my tracks. And as if he said, and I know it was in my heart, he said, as bad as you want to be with your bride, it cannot even begin to compare with how much I want to be with mine. And right in that moment, I don't remember what happened. I just know the Lord came in that scene. And I said, God, for the rest of my life, I want to spend my life bringing your bride to you. In Revelation chapter 19, it says that the bride has made herself ready. He's not coming for a bride that is in bed with the world, preoccupied with every other thing under the sun, but a bride that is holy, spotless, pure, and ready for the bridegroom. And uh, that's, that is plain in the Scripture. And one of the ways is he's going to get the bride ready is there's going to be a great separating going on at the end of the age. And we talked about this last week. Let me remind you, there's going to be a separating of the wheat and the tares. You remember that? Now, our tendency is to pick the tares out. You can't do it. You'll mess up. Don't do it. You might have to pick yourself out. So we don't want to do that. The Lord will do it. He said at the end of the age. There'll be a separating of the sheep and the goats. Goat nations. I really believe I just came back from Haiti. Haiti is going to be a sheep nation on the earth. I mean, they're praying, they're seeking God six days a week, six o'clock in the morning. This church is praying, seeking God for revival for their nation. And then we talked about how he's going to separate the left from the right. Now, this is not a political statement. Remember, you guys just shared this political thing. It's not a political statement, but he does say it. Remember, the guys on the left, he says, depart from me. 
and uh, into you curse into everlasting fire. And then there's going to be a separation in Malachi chapter 3, and we'll save the, the context of that for a later day. But he said, I'll separate the righteous from the wicked. Remember that. And the one who serves God from the one who does not serve God. How many of you remember that? Malachi chapter 3. That's going to be a future message because the actually who, who the Scripture is speaking to is the priesthood and a separation of the priesthood. And one of, one of the ways he separates them is their opinion of that holy institution called marriage. Isn't it amazing? It's as if God had Malachi write that book for such a time as this. And there'll be those that'll have to stand on the right side of marriage or they'll stand on the wrong side. And it'll be one way that God will separate those who serve him from those who do not. But also in that text, the Lord deals with the subject of divorce. Remember that. Not a condemnation. There's forgiveness. Absolutely, there are new beginnings. But it says plainly, I, God says, I hate divorce. He hates divorce. And as pastors and ministers, we got to hate it too. Now, we love the people, and God is restoring. But, uh, but we still got to take a stand. But then another way there will be a great division are the overcomers versus the overcome. You guys with me? We got to catch back up under that flow of the anointing. I wish I could have gone straight from the worship into preaching this morning. Lord, bring it back. How I many of you know what I'm talking about? We got to have that flow of the anointing. Sometimes things kind of get distracted. I don't like pressing on when the, the anointing. So we're going to pause a second. Let's just agree. You want to pray? Let's pray. We want the anointing. Okay, that good idea. You want to pray? Go ahead. Pray for me. Jesus. Yes, Lord. Grace and glory, just like it was in worship this morning. Your, ooh, your presence, Lord. Set him on fire, Lord, and pastor, we give you permission. To go for it. Amen. I take my tongue out of my head and put it in my spirit. <laughs> That's what, yes, Lord. Oh, you know, I, thank you, Jesus. Some of you guys are wondering, boy, that church is a little different. Good. Thank you, Lord. Okay, let me keep the review going. Last week we talked about a great shaking. How many of you know there's going to be, and we are living in the midst of a great shaking? The book of Haggai. Remember there was, I'm going to try to go by memory here for a moment. I should be able to do that. And you remember, uh, he said the glory of the latter-day house will be greater than the former. And then he asked them a question. Now, look at this temple that you see. Is this one greater than the former? They said, according to what you see, no, it wasn't. Solomon's temple was overladen in gold. But it was going to be the promise they were to hang on to. But the result of their getting there, they had to go through a great, great shaking. Now, how much is going to be shaken in this hour? Let me show you. Look over in Hebrews real quick. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 25. We're not going to be caught off guard. We're going to be ready. Be ready to overcome. Say, I'm an overcomer. And, uh, and we're just going to make sure you're an overcomer. If you're not, we're going to get you in shape because you've been called to overcome. Revelation or Hebrews chapter 12. Anybody found that scripture? I found it. 
Verse 25, see that you do not refuse him who speaks, for if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on the earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this yet once more indicates a removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Now look at the next verse, very important. Therefore, remember the word therefore. When you see therefore, you got to see what it's there for. Therefore, in all the shaking, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. Say, cannot be shaken. Let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably and with reverence and with godly fear. I got a, um, 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 an email from a pastor friend. No, actually, he's a part of this church, and he shared this with me. He sent me an email of a friend of his from Alaska, and he's a pastor in Alaska, and he had this dream. I'm going to try to share with you what he, what he shared. He says he was looking down from earth from a heavenly place. He was caught up into the heavens, and he could see the horizon and the, in the distance, and the earth was covered in darkness. Now, we're not shocked at that. We know. Isaiah already told us, right? The earth will be covered in darkness and deep darkness the people. He said, as he looked at the earth, there were lights that appeared. And the lights were, were in, in a row, and there were some on his left hand and some on his right. And they rose up above the layer of darkness. He said, at first he thought they were spotlights, but he said they, they were, it was a beacon. They were beacons. But what he noticed was is, is there were very few of the lights and the Lord impressed upon him that these lights represent believers in the earth. And he thought, Lord, why are there so few lights if these represent believers? And the Lord spoke to him and said, the lights that you see, every believer has light. But those are the ones who are impacting the darkness. These are the ones that are actually pushing back and making a difference in the darkness on the earth. And then he was impressed, he said, to pray. And, and then God spoke to him to confirm. He said those were the ones who had support from friends and fellowship. Friendship and fellowship. These were the ones that were enabled, enabled to push back the darkness. And how many of you know that's what we're called to? We're not called just to survive in this hour. We're called to push it back. Push it back. We're called to make a great difference our God is going to have a testimony on the earth of a church that can make a difference in this world. We are the light of the world. Jesus is, and he lives inside of us. Now, just to remind you, there are so many scriptures on the last days. Let me uh, just quote a couple of them again. Remember Acts chapter 2, verse 17, and it shall come to pass in the last days. What's the promise? He said, I will pour out my spirit on what? On all flesh, that means every city, every town, every individual that's open, he's going to pour out his spirit. Then in 2 Timothy chapter 3, he says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. How many of you know we're living in those perilous times? Men will be unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, traitors, brutal, and all those things. You can read about it from Timothy. And then Hebrews, we just read that, that don't refuse him who spoke and uh, how God's going to speak in the last days. Then in James chapter 5, 
And uh, we read this. I'm not going to read the, all of the scriptures, but God has a word to the rich of the earth, the elite of the earth, how they kept back the wages of the people of the earth, but how that they've heaped up gold and silver for the last days and that, that God was going to answer them and he was going to be a God of justice. And then in 2 Peter chapter 3, knowing this first that scoffers will come in the last days. Scoffers. You know, there, there's a lot of prophetic chatter right now about these days that we're living in. What if we make it through the next month and nothing terrible happens? That'd be wonderful, wouldn't it? That's our first choice. But a lot of people are going to say, look at you guys. You're predicting all of these things. You're predicting all this unrest and wars and all these things and nothing's happening. Everything is just like it's always been. And there'll be a whole new generation of scoffers. Well, I'm telling you, stuff is happening, whether we can see it with a natural eye or not, it's happening in the spirit. There's an upheaval right now. There are wars that are taking place in the heavenlies, and eventually they will take place on the earth. And then Numbers 24, come, I will advise you what this people will do to your people in the latter days. Then there's Deuteronomy chapter 4, Deuteronomy 31, Proverbs 19, listen to counsel and receive instruction that you may be wise in your latter days. And then Isaiah chapter 2, Jeremiah chapter 23, the anger of the Lord will not turn back until he has executed and performed the thoughts of his heart. In the latter days, you will understand this perfectly. Jeremiah chapter 30, uh, he says, And until he has performed the intents of his heart, in the latter days you will consider it. Ezekiel 38, Daniel chapter 2, Daniel chapter 10, Hosea chapter 3. And then Micah chapter 4, and it goes on and on and on. So what I'm trying to get you to understand is there's a whole lot in the Bible about the last days. So therefore, we better preach on it. We better be ready because we're going to get to live in it. And God wants a people on the earth that will push back the darkness in the midst of the dark. Whatever, however dark it gets to be on the earth. Does that make sense? One more review. We looked over in 1 Peter, and it said, remember the Scripture, but the end of all things is at hand. How many of you remember that? If you were here, some of you do. Somebody told me once, they said, most people, they don't remember what, hardly anything you say. I said, well, that's real encouraging for a pastor. Thank you for telling me. They don't remember anything. But your spirit will remember some stuff. So get it in your spirit. In fact, if you don't remember anything... There's something I want him to deposit inside of you today so you'll be ready for this hour. So anyway, let's just review. First Peter says, the end of all things is at hand. The first thing he said, be serious and watchful in your prayers. There is a war. Prayer is a war. How many of you know that? But there's a war against prayer. I heard someone put it this way, that first there must be the discipline of prayer, then there's a desire, you'll, want, you'll desire prayer. Then there's the, the delight of prayer. And before you get the delight, you got to get the desire. And before you get the desire, there must be the discipline. But the enemy tries to come and, and disrupt our prayer life. There's, there's the disruption. There's another D, Rocky. The disruption of our prayer life. And I felt like one thing God wanted to do today was he wanted to stir up our prayer life before I press on. How many of you need a little stirring up in your prayer life? Man, 
Does anybody get weary from time to time? Listen, he said, don't be weary. Don't faint. Don't give up, especially in this hour. So if you've been a little bit weary in your prayer life, I want you to stand. We're going to pray. We're going to stir it up. Or if you want a fresh fire in your prayer life, either one. We're going to ask God to stir it up, release a spirit of intercession, supplication. Fan the flame. What did Chris talk about? God said, I'll light the fire. you got to keep it burning. So, Lord, we're just right now, we thank you. There is a fire in all of us, a fire of intercession. But, Lord, we live in this world that drains us. And so, Lord, I ask you to stir it up. I ask you for a fresh anointing, a fresh spirit of intercession and supplication to come upon the church for this hour. Lord, I stir it up. I release the fire in our prayer life. Father, I ask you that many will find it a delight to get into the discipline part of prayer, and then it'll be a great desire. And then, Lord, I just ask you to interrupt all the disruptions in the name of Jesus and release fresh fire for intercession just like that lady in that movie war room god let a war room erupt inside of our hearts for our children our families our nation stir it up oh god we gotta have it stir it up in the name of jesus fresh fire for intercession in the name of jesus in the name of jesus amen you can be seated And then he said, the end of all things is at hand. He said, be sincere in your love. Just to remind us, we're to love God, love our neighbor. Who else? Love our enemies, love the world that he died for, love our brothers. That's the hard one. How many of you find that hard sometimes? You know, and then love covers a multitude of sin. Then be sacrificial in your love and in your giving, in your service. And then it talked about how let those who speak, speak as though they are speaking the oracles of God. Remember that. And so when we speak, we're to believe that, that as we yield to him, as we read the word, that God is speaking through us. And then be settled in suffering. Remember, we talked about that. I'm not going to go into great detail. I want to get to Revelation chapter 1. While there's a little bit of juice still here, because I'm squeezing every bit I can this morning. Tell you what, I'm going to reorder this stuff around here. When there's an anointing in worship, I ain't letting all this other stuff happen. I'm going right into preaching. Man, stuff. Man, we don't have time to waste anymore. Oh, there's something else there. Oh, listen, I'm I'm all. I'm saying this in respect. I'm all for elections. Folks, it ain't, hap- it ain't helped a bit. It is not. Have you noticed it hadn't helped anything? Now, we got to get out, do our part, do our part. But it's not the election. It's the elect of God that's going to make a difference in America. It's the elect of God arising up. It is the church of the living God. I don't care who occupies the White House. It's the people of God that occupy God's house that's going to make a difference. Now, I do care who occupies the White House because he obviously can impact policy and decisions. I read this morning that God even created the wicked for the day of doom. I'm asking God about that. What does that mean? You create the wicked for the day of doom? 
Why did you create the wicked? He said, I created them for the day of doom. I'm going to try to figure it all out. If you get more revelation than me, share it with me. And then the last little point in that was live as one who will one day stand before the judge. Remember we ended up, if the, rice, the righteous are scarcely saved, what will happen to the unrighteous and the wicked? And um, anyway, let's go to Revelation chapter 1. How are we going to live in these days, God? It's not going to be easy. It's going to get difficult on the earth. How many of you know that? There are going to be challenges we've never faced before. We're going to face giants reserved for days like this. We're going to have to be the Davids in the earth in this hour. You know what I'm talking about. You're going to have to be a David. You've been given five stones. You've been given the authority. And if we don't exercise the authority over the devil, it's going to get a lot harder. And uh, so we got to rise up. Darkness will cover the earth, deep darkness of people. But what will happen? The glory of the Lord will arise upon you. It's that you're arising, the glory will come. Shaking is coming. But following the shaking will come a release of God's glory. We're living for glory. The devil is not going to have the final testimony on the earth. This is not about the Antichrist. Some people think if you're an end-time preacher, all you talk about is the Antichrist. I know we're going to have to deal with him. The Scripture says, the Lord said, don't let anybody fool you. That day is not coming until the great falling away and the man of sin, the man of lawlessness, has been revealed. Lawlessness is running rampant in America today. He's occupying the highest positions of this land. And so we're not going to be caught off guard. We're not going to be deceived. But it's not about the anti. It's about the anointed one, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one I'm looking for. I mean, maybe we're supposed to know who he is, the Antichrist. I don't know about that. I get, you ever seen this little um, 1-800-Antichrist or something? I saw a, I, I know where I saw that. I saw it on a billboard down it's in Alabama. They said, we've discovered the identity of the Antichrist. Call 1-800-ANTICHRIST or something on a billboard. And I couldn't get all the number, you know, but, but when I drove by, I, my mind was, man, I should have got the number of that, you know what I mean? I, wonder, I should turn around and go see that, but I, I didn't turn around. There's going to be all kinds of stuff happening today. But I'm telling you what's really happening. All right, let's look in Revelation chapter 1. How are you going to make it? How are you going to live in the last days? Much of the New Testament is written to a people who will be alive on the earth at the end of the age. It may not happen as they told us it would happen in Sunday school. It may be a little different, the unfolding of the end times. So we better be ready. We better be equipped. The bride will make herself ready. You know what else the bride is going to do in that scripture in Revelation? She will, there will be the righteous acts of the saints. Saints are going to rise up and do great exploits at the end of the age. It'll be written, these are among the righteous acts of the saints, not the righteous acts of the preachers, the saints of the Most High God. So let's look, Revelation, let me read. The Revelation of Jesus Christ, it won't take too long. What time is it? 11.55, I'll be done by... Yeah, one o'clock. Hey, I like that. 
No, 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 no. It won't be that long. It's only going to take a few minutes, 10, 15 at the max. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant, John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. Say the time is near. And John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the first faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth. I like that part. The ruler over the kings and presidents and all this stuff of the earth. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and he's made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion. Verse 7, behold, he is coming with clouds. And every eye will see him. Even they who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. And then he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. So how are we going to make it in the last days? First of all, remember the revelation. This is about, is about Jesus. The last days is about Jesus, the revelation, the unveiling, the unfolding of the one we've been waiting for. Jesus. It's about Jesus. It's not about those who oppose him. It's him who is above all, the one who is and who was and who is to come. Now, there are certain events that are going to happen at the end of the age. The Scripture says they must in verse 1, they must shortly take place. Remember, Jesus had to go through Samaria. Remember that. There are some things the world will have to go through. We enter the kingdom of God through much what? Tribulation. There's a, a pressure. We have to go through things to get to where we're ultimately heading. But so there are things that must take place, and they must take place shortly. Now, I know that a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as is a day. But I know we're living in the last days. I don't know. If stuff doesn't happen over the next 30 days that they're saying is going to happen, it's not going to alter or change or disrupt my faith in one bit. And if it does happen, if everything does fall apart, it's not going to disrupt my faith. It's not going to alter my, my commitment and my purpose and my vision, not one bit. I'm not of this world. I'm in it, but I'm not of it. We're of a different kingdom, a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And so if you're being shaken, then turn it up, God, because something needs to come out. You know what I'm talking about? There's something that needs to, I got to get rid of here because he's coming for a bride without spot and blemish. Now, what will happen in verse 2? I can tell you two things are going to happen. The word of God is going to be made known. John bore witness to the word of God. The word is going to be known all over the earth, and there's going to be a great testimony, the testimony of Jesus. And over in Revelation, it talks about how the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of of prophecy. So we're going to get to prophesy to nations, prophesy to our cities, prophesy to the dead bones. The spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. So now here's what we need. There's about seven things. Are you with me? I'm going to do fast. 
because I can tell people want to hear fast. <laughs> Did I, I got to tell you one joke. Did you ever hear this story? Francis Frangipan was speaking. And a guy gets up in the middle. Well, he was telling the story anyway. This guy gets up in the middle of his message and starts walking out, and Francis gets offended. He says, hey, sir, where are you going? The guy turned around, I'm going to get a haircut. Francis said, what do you mean get a haircut? Why didn't you get a haircut before you came to this meeting? He said, before I came to this meeting, I didn't need a haircut. So anyway, anyway, you won't need a haircut, I promise you. What are you going to need for this hour? Look in verse 3. Blessed is he who reads and hears and keep those things for the time is near. Number one, we need an urgency. An urgency about the hour in which we're living. Don't let the world rob you of that sense of urgency. Okay, there's something we need about being urgent, being ready in season and out of season. Whatever season it is. If it's a rumor of a war or if it's a real war, we want to be urgent in the rumors and in the real. We want to be ready, urgent, showing up for duty every single day. Wake up. Lord, I report to duty. I'm a saint of the Most High God. You're the captain of the Lord of hosts. Lord, don't let me lose that urgency for the hour. I don't want to become complacent. I don't want to become, uh, you know, losing that sense. And then also look in verse 4. John said to the seven churches which are in Asia. Now think about this. You want to be ready for the end of the age? Be a part of the church of Jesus Christ at the end of the age. I heard someone say, if today was back in this day, when John, you know, the, the angel, the message came to the seven churches, he said there would be a lot of people that would not be a part of those seven churches, they would have missed the message. Now, there's no condemnation in all this that I'm saying. I'm just telling you, he still uses the church. He's still going to speak through the church. Don't be drawn away. That's why the scripture says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, which is the manner of some, especially as you see that day approaching. There will be, many will be offended. And because of lawlessness, the love of many will grow cold. And many will be drawn away into isolation. It's the church of which the gates of hell will not prevail against. The gates of hell can prevail against individuals. But when we're rightly connected as a part of the body of Christ, connected together under the head, I'm telling you, I don't care what gate of hell is open up. It shall not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? Oh, I don't know. That's one of the biggest things of a pastor. I'm just going to tell you. When you see people and then you never see them again. And I know you just trust them to the Lord. You say, God, they're part of your body. I trust them. But listen, we're living at a time. We got to have one another. I, got, I need what that person has in Christ. They can see stuff I can't see. And we've got to have, we've got to be rightly connected. So be a part of the church in this hour. You don't want to miss out. You don't want to miss out. He's coming for us. And then here's something else we need. We need great grace. Verse 4. Grace to you. Grace is more than unmerited favor. It is the enabling of heaven for that moment that you're living on the earth right now. 
It's the power of God that he gives us, that enables us to rise up and be who we've been called to be and do what we've been called to do. It will be said of the last day church that great grace was upon them. Let me say that again. No, I want you to participate. Look at the person next to you. Say, great grace is upon you. Great grace is upon you. And it's going to be a testimony of that. And then the next thing, grace to you and peace. 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 We're going to have to have a little peace in this hour. It's not going to come from the United Nations. I mean, if you know that, they can get together all they want and plan out the peace process. The only peace process is Jesus. He is the Prince of Peace, and he's called us. He said, peace I give unto you. He has made a covenant of peace with all that know him, that know his son. A covenant of peace. The world didn't give it to you, and the world can't take it away. And then we need a vision of him. It says in that next scripture, or in verse for again, who is and who was and who is to come. Just say he is. And he was. And he is to come. That's the whole gospel right there. You got to focus on all of it. He was, but he is. And then in those moments where it will look like we can't make it, then you got to remember, wait a minute, he is the one to come. And so this thing doesn't end right now. It lasts for eternity. There's something much more around the corner. And uh, you see, we got to know something that the world doesn't know. And that is, he's the one that was and the one who is and the one who is to come. And then he talks about having the seven spirits. I mean, I believe that speaks of just walking in the fullness of the spirit in this hour. The spirit without measure. I don't know what that's going to look like. But an outpouring on all flesh the spirit of wisdom and counsel and might and understanding and all those things. And then we are to walk in who we are. Look in verse 6. He's made us to be kings and priests to his God and Father. we got to grow up quickly in who we are in Christ Jesus. The hour demands it. If we didn't take good notes, God will catch you up quickly. Because you are a king and a priest under the most high God. we got to live like it. And we got to know who we are and know who, and we will know who we are when we know who he is inside of us, right? And then the last thing that I'm going to talk about, in, that's in verse 7. Behold, he's coming. He is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him. And they who pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so... Amen. Remember the scripture, even so, come. In other words, keep looking up. Keep looking up. Because even if he doesn't come in the next moment, he's already come to you. And he's with you. And he is coming. But, uh, but he's with you and he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Your help comes from the Lord. So keep looking up. Now, does this make any sense to anybody? <laughs> Go home and read Revelation chapter 1 again and say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. God, give me that impartation. 
Give me that revelation so that I can live in this hour as an overcomer. He's coming for overcomers. Did you hear me? To him who overcomes, I will grant. The greatest promises are to the overcomers. Now, if you're like me, you see what's coming and you wonder, do I have what it takes? Are you in Christ Jesus? Have you been washed in the blood? Does the same spirit that raised Jesus' dead body from the grave live inside of you? Do you have his word? Do you have his testimony? Then guess what? You've got what it takes. You've got the right stuff. It's all about Jesus. It's about him. So let me just pray. And um, Lord, just give us, Lord, we pray for that revelation. Lord, that revelation of the Son of God who is, who was, and who is to come. Lord, I ask you to impart to everyone in this room a heart of an overcomer. Lord, whether, whatever they've been through, Lord, you, some people have been through stuff. If they, if they had the opportunity to share today, we would have not believed what they've just lived through. But I thank you that they lived through it, and they're still alive. And so, God, I thank you that the best is yet to come for a child of God. The promise is a promise of future and a hope that will not be taken away. I thank you for that eternal promise and so, Lord, I ask you to release faith and hope in the midst of your people. Lord, there's hope coming to the church in this hour. Hope is as an anchor of the soul. And I thank you for it, Lord. It will not fail. You will not fail your people. And, Lord, we thank you regardless of what happens. There's a lot of prophetic chatter right now over the next 30 days. And, Lord, we don't know. All we know is, is you're God today, and you're the same God 30 days from now. And if nothing happens, you'll be the same God 2,030 days from now. 30 years from now. 300 years from now. You're the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. And Lord, I ask you to give everyone in this room a sense of great urgency and expectation that this is the hour that they've been created for. And it, this is the season and time to see you in all of your glory. And I thank you for it, God, in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. 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 And if you're here without Jesus, you need to make sure you come to know Jesus today. And call on him, and we're going to have some people up at the front, and we'll pray for you. And uh, believe God, if you, how many of you need a miracle? Anybody need a miracle? Healing. You might need healing. Let's just ask him to do it before we go. You need healing? All right, we're going to pray for that. Father, in the name of Jesus, right now we break off every spirit of infirmity, every spirit of disease, every sickness, every assignment of darkness and destruction assigned against the people of the Most High God. In the name of Jesus, sickness, you are an unwelcome intruder. You are a trespasser in the name of Jesus. And so we break the power of that infirmity and command it to go in the name of Jesus. We resist. The Bible says if we draw near to God and resist the devil, he must flee. And so we resist sickness and disease 
in the name of Jesus. Every assault, witchcraft, we break off every curse, judgment, spell, incantation, every accusation. Lord, it's not enough to be accused by the unbelievers. We get bombarded by believers. So, Lord, break off the accusations in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I just saw stuff flee right now. Just flee. In the name. Accusations. Because accusation can actually dig in here and get something messed up. And I just saw it release. It released. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Cancers go in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. Now, I, I know of someone that has cancer, but some of us, there may be a cell or two inside of our body that's trying to get, you know what I mean? So in the name of Jesus, we arrest that cell or two right now. We command you to go from, this, from our bodies in Jesus' name. And we loose the spirit of healing and grace and mercy and the angels that are here to minister to the people of God. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. You endured to the end. The end here. <laughs> now, now you get to go eat lunch. But God bless you guys. Have a great day. We love you. Amen. If you need prayer, we're around.